as a low-hanging fruit joke, which I did last time, uh, as you can clearly see, I am not Scott Berglund. I have more hair. Um, but as it is uh, as Mexico week, and I get the opportunity to come talk to you guys today, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And as the folks in Mexico can attest to my, my, my low-hanging fruit joke about having more hair than Scott, Scott's decided to lean into it a bit more, and he's gone completely bald now. So those folks in Mexico who are watching online are staring at his bald head. So the big uh, announcement for today is we want to pray for the folks that are in Mexico um, because they're there doing God's work this week. They're building the house, as Howard said, and it's a very exciting time. I know they're going to get as much out of it as they put into it, and it will be very exciting for all of them. Um, I was thinking as I got up here today, because I was here last Mexico trip, that I didn't get a chance to mention that the, when I came and preached the last time, uh, it was, I actually was the last member of my family to step on this stage. Uh, most of you have seen my two daughters, um, whether you knew or not. They've, they've been up here singing in front of the congregation multiple occasions. And my wife gave up the week before I was able to, to come up and teach, and she gave the announcement. So I was the last one of my family to get up here. Uh, to that end, and only because I do have the microphone, I pray that my daughter has decided to get out of bed and is actually watching this online right now with everybody in Mexico. Uh, but I will find out when she gets home, and I will be in trouble if I said the wrong thing when she gets home. So, anyway, let's... let's she, I hope she's up, right? Right, okay. Excellent. Let's, well, let's, let's, let's pray and kind of get into this, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day you've given to us, and thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. Today we're going to be learning about uh, what you have to say to us in John 4, continuing uh, Jesus' mission there as he goes from Shechem back to, to Galilee. Lord, please be with us today as we learn about you and hear your message as it flows through us. In your name I pray, amen. Uh, I, I, I can't stay, uh, go off Mexico uh, yet, before I get into this, I got one more Mexico thing popping in my head. Uh, Judy, uh, you and I and, and Fernando were there to see the, the Mexico folks off yesterday. And it was exciting times. We got a good prayer to go. And the one, I've always wanted to go to Mexico. I thought that would be a lot of fun for me to do until an announcement was made right before everybody got in the vans. And Janet informed everyone, we're not stopping for the bathrooms until we get to the grapevine. At which point in time, if I was standing there looking at a Vente cup of coffee, I would be questioning whether or not that would be a good idea. So, uh, but uh, hopefully everybody made it. I think that I know they made it all on time. I got a text from my wife before they crossed the, the border, and uh, she informed me in a few moments after that, that text that I wouldn't be able to text her anymore. So uh, th anyway, that, so they're having a good time. Uh, so I want to get into this real quick. Um, when last time I spoke, I talked about the woman at the well. Uh, it's the first part of John 4, and it meant her story means a lot to me and in, in terms of it's a story of acceptance and her accepting of her position in the world, her accepting of Christ, Christ's acceptance of her, and then what she does with that acceptance. And the second half of John 4 leads me to jump into saying, okay, if, if the first part is acceptance, the second part is about action. What are we going to do with that acceptance? How are we going to take the, the acceptance of Christ into us, how are we going to take the, the acceptance of who we are, and how are we going to take action? And then it's it kind of we go through to through John four, and we get a chance to see Christ's theology on acceptance, on action, Christ's 
uh, demonstration of the actions you need to do as he's talking to his disciples and his followers and the people there uh, at, at, in Shechem um, or, or in the town that's around Shechem or right around Jacob's well. And then, of course, kind of concluding with uh, a, a story of how Christ's action leads to results. Uh, I've already kind of given you away some of my, 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 uh, my fill-ins, but I've jumped, I've jumped in. So, well, let's get into this real quick. So, John 4, starting in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said, said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples looked at each other and said, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, Food, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for the harvest. So he starts off this second portion of John, what I'm calling my action portion of John, similar to the way he starts off, kind of in the middle of the, uh, the first portion of John, where he talks to the woman at the well and is talking about the living water. Here he uses food as an example and says, listen, guys, you don't understand. It's not about physical food. It's about the spiritual food. It's about the spiritual harvest. Um, like example, in verse 15, which we went through when the last time I was here, um, she, she, the woman of the well says to Jesus, give me the living water. She, she doesn't understand what he's talking about. She's thinking it's a physical manifestation of a water that you will never be thirsty again. And she doesn't understand what he's, when he refers to living water, he's talking about eternal life. And again, his disciples who are following him everywhere are still having to be taught. And here he's kind of breaking a little bit of the theology down. I, I look at uh, John as we, get, as, I, as, as we go through this. There's the theology in the beginning, and then there's the actual physical manifestation of, of what he's talking about. Um, I'm going to put a pin in that for a moment, because as I'm sitting here in the front row thinking about what I was going to be talking about, um, I was thinking about these, these verses specifically and thinking about Romans. And in a study I did many, many years ago, uh, the gentleman I was with talked about Romans, and it's uh, chapter 11. The first part of Romans up to chapter 11 is the theology. The second part of Romans is the practical application of that theology. And so here we are now in John, and we're getting an opportunity for Christ to break up the theology of what he's going to be talking about. And then he, then he goes forward in the next couple of verses and shows you the practical application. It's very exciting. Um, and, you know, everything is... And Scott talks about this, and I think it's very exciting because, you know, God... Uh, Jesus never makes a mistake. Uh, he's chosen this location to do to start this level of his ministry and we're going to get to more detail about how exciting that is as we go through this um, but uh, but you know and then he's, he's getting an opportunity to 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 communicate to his disciples who are going to carry the message forward the theology of what it is to be fed and be filled with the spirit uh, and here again this is the food and here he's taking action Jesus is taking action. You know, when he says here, it is, uh, the, the food is to do the will of him who sent me. The food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is, again, taking action. And I, I love the fact that he takes action here, which I, he always takes action, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So let's, let's read on. So, so we're going to leave off here. Um, okay. And uh, work with harvest. Already, where's that? Yeah. Already the one 
who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one who sows and the other, uh, the, and other reaps. Uh, I'm going to conclude this because I want to say a lot here. Uh, and I sent, I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into that labor. A couple of quick notes on this. Um, so, let me move that up there. Oh, where am I at? Uh, okay. So, I, I, he, he covers a couple of different things. So, the sower and reaper are together, and, and in reading through some of the notes that I was able to gather, uh, this is kind of referring to uh, an opportunity as he's telling his disciples. They're going to go, Christ is gone, he's going to sow, they're going to reap. God is going to reap the, the, the harvest of the uh, of the the people who receive the, me- the messianic message and and become ex- accepting of Jesus and accepting them into heaven. So God is accepting these souls into heaven. He's reaping these souls into eternal life, which is you know Jesus is saying to the disciples, you know the the, the food of which I speak is not what you think it is. It's it's uh, really of of the it, the nourishment is the ability to harvest um, these souls for eternal life. And then there, there's a little element of this where he's saying, now there's going to be sowing and reaping. So the sowing and reaping happening simultaneously. And he's going to demonstrate some of that as we go on to the next couple of uh, verses where you're able to go out and share the message of Christ and immediately people receive it and are accepted into the kingdom of heaven. So the sowing and reaping are happening simultaneously. So, And he also mentions to these disciples, guys, Work has been done before you. The, 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 the harvest is there. And he, when in doing some of the research into this, he's referring back to uh, maybe John the Baptist and some of his disciples who have been out there preparing the way for Christ's arrival. And even if you go further back, we look at the prophets who were saying, pre- preparing Jerusalem, preparing Israel for the arrival of the Messiah, preparing, preparing everybody for Christ to come and harvest them, uh, which is what he's doing. But, he, you know, it's kind of setting the theology for these guys. This is what's going on here. You know, we're going to be sowing the message. I'm going to be sowing the message of eternal life for all of these uh, potential believers. And we're going to be reaping these souls into heaven, accepting them into heaven. Much as Christ in, you know, the woman in the well, it accepts her in all of her frailties um, immediately, you know, saying and identifying to her, um, yes, the, the, the husband you're with isn't your, isn't your current husband. You've been with five more. And rather than um, being put off by that, she interprets it as I'm sure she did when in a communication with God uh, or in communication with Christ as accepting. He's accepting of her and her frailties. And what, do we sh- what does she do after, after he accepts her in? She goes and takes action. As we're going to read on, we'll see that the results of some of that action. She's beginning to sow and she's reaping. And it's what Christ is trying to tell his disciples to, to look to do. They're still confused, t- stuck in the material world. It's a tough, it's a tough gig. I mean, you know, if, you're, if you were once with a, were, a, was a, were a tax collector uh, or, or, a, or a fisherman, and now you're being asked to go out and, and harvest the, the, uh, uh, the souls for eternal life for, with, with Christ. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, job that they get the chance to do. As we all know, um, they make a lot of mistakes early on, and Christ sets them up as we go through the Gospels, but ultimately concludes with these guys going off and being amazing warriors for Christ 
and amazing warriors for God and sowing and reaping simultaneously. We all know the stories of, you know, Peter and Paul, and, and Paul's not a disciple, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Okay, so let's go. So the theology, harvesting and reaping. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because the woman's testimony. He told me all that I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with, with them, and he stayed, for two, stayed there for two days. So here's, again, I'm, I, I really had a lot of fun uh, in the first time I was here talking about the woman at the well, and I, I enjoyed her story and what she, her turn of, um, turn of, of who she was. Uh, you know, when she walked out at, in the heat of the day, thinking she was the lowest of the low of her town, uh, and basically her town's members thinking she was not very valuable. Either she didn't go out the cool of the day to get the water where she would go with the other women. She went out the heat of the day to get the water. And she runs across this man, this Jewish man, who ends up being Jesus as she, she learns and learns about the living water. But his, Christ's acceptance of her, and as I mentioned a few moments ago, her understanding and, and, and excitement of that acceptance and understanding of the living water and immediately turning around and doing action, going to town and getting the people to come out. And here they've come out, and that, not only have they come out, but they come out to hear Jesus talk to them for two days. And, it's, and it, he, as Jesus can only do, he changes their lives forever, and he, he sows as he's speaking to them, and he's reaping them. As you can see as we go through this, they, they are excited to have had that opportunity to hear from Jesus. I, I like this interaction with Jesus a lot, the, the, the two days component. Um, I, I liked it and I, I didn't like it. If, if I, let's say I'm a, a member of the Samaritan community that has asked Jesus to stick around for two days, I'd have a hard, have a hard time for, to let him go ever. Um, but how amazing would it be to sit there and have Christ begin his in the, in the beginning of his ministry, and he's out there speaking to you. Um, and again, how, how amazing it would have been to be the woman at the well to have that conversation with Jesus and feeling his full acceptance of you with all your flaws and all your frailties. And he'd say, no, 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 you're perfect, I love you, and you're completely accepted into the kingdom of heaven. And then, doof, boy, she goes off and just says, okay, I, you looked at me one way when I went out to get the water at the heat of the day, I've now returned to, to town to tell you, this is what you need to know. This is, what, this is a man you need to meet. And they met him for two days, and he spoke with him. Many more be believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you had said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Gee, they came out to hear Jesus talk. They leave knowing that he is indeed the savior of the world. I want to go, I have a note on this one here real quick. Savior of the world. So this kind of, um, in some of my research on this specific statement, savior of the world, this kind of sets the stage for uh, Christ's mission, uh, that he's not here just for the Jews, but more for a larger scale harvest among all of us. He didn't come just for his own people, but he starts here with his ministry in uh, Samaria with the Samaritans. He's harvesting the unclean um, to, to begin with. He's harvesting the Samaritans, and they lean into it, and they love it. He is the Savior of the world. He is here for all of us, thankfully, um, uh, all the rest of the Gentiles. 
And I've, I've read, a, read a comment here. Some scholars, and I, I had to go to the scholar's name because it uh, makes me sound like I'm smart if I say the word scholars. Um, some scholars uh, think that this is, uh, this is a leading statement to a post-Pentecostal mission for the early church. And, and the notation here that I, I looked up, and I looked it up, I won't read it to you today, but it was just, is Acts 1, 11. Uh, and really, I love Acts well, for lots of different reasons, but especially here, because here's a, in this small set of verses, we're seeing acceptance, action. We're seeing a description, of, we're seeing a demonstration by Christ to his disciples. What does that mean? When you accept me as your Lord and Savior, that's great. That's fantastic. Now, go do something. Do the will of the one who sent me. Do the will of the one who, who sends you. In, in, the, in the case of his disciples, I'm here with you. I'm God. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm sharing the message with you. And you need to go and be better, do, do greater things than I am. You can be more impactful. You can reach more people. Go out and act, act, act. So take action. Listen, Woman of the Whale is a great example of what we are all called to do. And do we do that? Do we take action for God? Are we led to go be a voice for God to bring more, to, re, to sow and to reap simultaneously? So we start off theology. You know, I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm, I'm full. I'm not talking about, you know, water you drink. I'm talking about living water. I'm talking about eternal life. This is, again, going back to the woman at the well. And there'll be an opportunity for you, my disciples, to go out and to sow and to reap. And let me show you what that looks like. Watch what happens here when the people from the town come out and, and to, to see me, come out to hear my message. What is the result of them hearing my message? They understand that indeed, Jesus has demonstrated to them that he is the savior of the world and they accept him. He is sowing and reaping simultaneously with the Samaritan people. It's very exciting in, in the fact that that and as I mentioned earlier, the, the Romans, the fold, to me that's kind of the, that we start that fold component of the theology now, it, putting, putting that theological statement that he makes at the beginning from verse 31 um, and putting it into action now as we go into uh, verse 39. Uh, so let's go on uh, because there's a little bit more here and it's an opportunity for Jesus to have similar twin messages but to a different audience, so to speak. So, so after two days, after he'd done talking to the Samaritans, um, he departed from Galilee. For Jesus, himself, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, uh, have, uh, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. So first miracle and uh, is turning the water into wine. So he's coming back home, and, the, and they're excited to see him because, well, hey, maybe he's going to turn some more water into wine for all of us. Um, because they, some, they, they were there at the, at the presence of his first miracle. It's important to, to kind of focus in on that because he's going to go ahead and talk to this audience and, and their reason and just and, and their reasoning for wanting to be excited about Jesus coming to town, and more to the point about why they should be excited about Jesus coming to town more than just the miracles. Miracles, miracles are great, and, and the turning water into wine is fantastic. In fact, 
uh, in the one time um, I had an opportunity to officiate a wedding. Um, and the two people that I officiated the wedding for happened to actually be here, and I'm staring at them right now, my brother and his lovely wife. Uh, I got an opportunity to use this turning water into wine um, as part of my small talk. Uh, two things I learned before I, before I forget, because uh, I think it's uh, important. Turning to water into wine, it's celebration of, of, the, of the marriage is an amazing story about that. The other component I learned about making, when you do something where you're officiating a wedding, and this comes from Scott, and that is I was worried, do I, will I have enough material to hold the room uh, as I'm officiating this wedding? And Scott says, yeah, your job is to get up there and get off there really quickly. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, oh, I can do that. I can get off the stage in a hurry. That's fantastic. So again, water into wine. Here we are back in Cana. I'm going to go here. Okay. So, um, so when we go into, uh, uh, again, more miracles coming. So when this, okay, so do, do, do I, I got to remember where I left off. My wife is probably making fun of me right now. Um, 46, thank you very much. And I got to find 46 on my page. Okay, so they came to, Gal, uh, they came, they came to Cana and Galilee uh, where they had, had, had uh, made the water into wine. And a, a, a uh, Capernaum, at Capernaum, where that uh, there was an official whose son was ill. There we go. That's where I went off. Whose son was ill. Uh, when when this man heard of Jesus, he had come to Judah, uh, to Galilee. Come from Judah to Galilee. Uh, uh, he he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him. Unless you see signs and wonders, will you not believe? Okay, I'm going I'm to stop right there, uh, only because I read through this and some of the, the notes and that, I, that I, I read about this are very interesting. So you, I, I thought, when I read this the first time, I thought, boy, that's awful rude. So this guy, you know, puts his faith in Jesus, comes, set, does, I mean, he's not a believer, hasn't been followed Jesus all around, but he heard of him. He knows Jesus. He knows that this is an amazing man. He's got to talk to this guy. Hey, would you heal my son? Hey, it's, if it's not about the miracles, don't, won't you believe in me? Obviously, he believes in him. That's why he came there. He's not talking to the man, really. He's talking to the audience that's around him, the people that were excited to see Jesus come back to town because he turned the water into wine, because he's performing miracles. He's telling them, if I don't perform miracles, I mean, is that the only reason you're here? Aren't you coming to hear the message, to understand what, why I'm here on earth, the, the, as he was talking to his disciples, as he talked to the woman at the well, the living water, aren't you going to accept the living water and come with me and spend eternity and eternal life? Or do I have to perform another miracle for you to, to, to be, have any desire to hear what I have to say? Do I always have to come to town and perform a miracle? Now we know Jesus goes on and performs lots and lots and lots of miracles, and he uses miracles as a way to bring people uh, into the, the harvest, and it, sometimes that has to happen, but here he's in Galilee, in his hometown, and he's performed miracles, but he, the, the message really is kind of directed at this man, but, or sort of directed at this man, but really kind of directed at the audience that's there. Don't, do I always have to perform miracles for you to accept me? Um, because you should accept me and my, the, my message without the miracles, uh, which is kind of what we're asked to do. We don't see Jesus every day. I mean, 
he does perform miracles in our lives. And I'm going to touch base on some of uh, uh, the miracle component in a few moments. But I know Jesus performs miracles in our, in our everyday lives. But, you know, does he, is he walking down the street turning water into wine uh, every day? No, he's not. Um, sometimes it takes our, we have to have faith in Jesus, faith in the message, faith in what's been conveyed to us um, from Jesus. We don't need to have the miracles every day to be uh, members of that, you know, sowing and reaping community, to be accepting of Christ's message. And that's kind of what he's saying here. I mean, you know, do I have to perform miracles? Now, as we know, as most of you all know, John 4 concludes with him actually performing the miracle on the kid lives, uh, which I'm going to read now. Uh, but uh, it's just, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. It's also, I didn't really kind of, I was kind of thrown back when I did read that message that it isn't about Jesus necessarily talking to the man, but talking to the audience who would want just the miracles as opposed to the message. Okay, so uh, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to cry there. Um, the, the, man, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went away. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Okay, God, uh, this is a, um, Jesus is awesome, really cool. <laughs> uh, in the sense that here, he is sitting, here he is in Galilee, man comes in, he believes that Jesus can heal his son, and he asks, and Jesus is able to heal his son, pr provide a message to the audience that's around him at the same time. But he says, will you, will you heal my son? And he said to him, go, your son will live. When I read this, it's, uh, it's Jesus being Jesus, meaning he stops Galilee. He knows this man's on his way. He knows the situation with his son. He knows what he's going to ask. And he just, the, the minute the guy shows up, the kid's ready. And I snapped, Stacy. Um, my wife doesn't like when I snap. The, the, uh, uh, but it's amazing. This to me is just, you know, Jesus being Jesus. I stopped here. I have a message for my the people of Galilee, I stopped here. This man is in need. I have an opportunity to perform, one, perform another miracle. And he performs that other miracle instantaneously before the guy even walks on the scene and asks the question. The son is already on the way to being healthy. And that's just, it's amazing to me. I just, I, I, I always geek out on when, when God does this. And he, in anticipation of something that's going to happen, he performs it. Um, the, so let's read on. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household and all, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judah to Galilee. So we begin this last section of taking action with unless you see miracles, don't you believe? Um, kind of wanting to encourage the Galilean audience to accept the, the words and not necessarily the miracles as, ac as actions for them. But also, as we conclude here, his actions, as Christ's actions are wont to do, um, led this man who would come by faith to meet a man he'd never met and only heard about to heal his son 
it led this man to also be a member of the, of the harvest. He and his household are a member of the harvest. So Christ comes in. I'm going to go back really quick. Kind of Christ comes in, sets the theology for the disciples, says, get in tow, watch as I, watch as I do this. I've told you how it's going to be done, told you what this, what this is all about, told you the harvest is there, and you can go out and do it. Now watch me do it. Watch what I do. Watch how I go out and I sow and I reap and I bring people in with me to, an, to, to the, the, the kingdom of heaven. So, and with that, uh, I want to get to some of the, the fill-ins real quick and not, uh, not spend too much more time on this. So, so the first fill-in. Um, so as, as I said, when I uh, started off, um, I mean, the woman of the well is, is about um, acceptance, and I felt the second half was about action, and we're seeing Christ act. So the, the first fill-in, be willing to hear the call and act. We all should be willing to hear the call and act like the disciples as, as Jesus was trying to so, so, uh, show them. So Jesus, Jesus is a man of action. Um, he, does, he, he, he rejects passivity. Uh, he is a man of action. Uh, orders, orders may be made and followed. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Jesus routinely demonstrates to us to answer the call. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Um, he demonstrates that we should do as he does, hear the call and take action. Throughout his ministry, he never fails to act. He never takes you know, a passive stance on anything. The Pharisees will try and pin him into a corner and nah, that's not going to happen. He always takes action. He takes action throughout all of his ministry, right up until the time he decides to put himself on that cross for all of us. Jesus takes action. So he demonstrates for us what it means to take action, to go out and do something, to be a, an active member of a community, to go out and sow and reap and bring people with you and I into eternal heaven into, into heaven with us for eternal life, to, to experience the living water. Jesus will always prepare the way for us to act. Um, as he was telling disciples, reap that for which you did not labor. If we follow Jesus and, and take, follow his lead and are willing to take action, he will deliver for us. He will help us. He will be there for us and help us, help us along the way. Okay, again, here, uh, here Jesus begins his teaching, right? Um, teaching his disciples, as I said a few moments ago, as well as teaching the people of Samaria and going out and harvesting, harvesting them. For many, I love, I, I, I'm going to take this as, this is a probably a, uh, a chopped up version of a theological statement, so I apologize, but I liked, I kind of made it my own, which is, for many are called and few are chosen or choose. It's not theologically accurate, but really, truly, many are called, but few choose to act, right? What We started off this, uh, my little talk about Scott being bald um, and him being down in Mexico, but really that's, that's, what, that's what that is. We have a group of people in this church who have chosen to act. They're sitting in Mexico right now, getting ready to build houses, 
getting ready to sow and to reap through these various different Bible studies that they're going to do for the, for the di different groups in the community there in Ensenada. They have chosen to act. And for that, I am grateful. I am proud to call myself a member of this church with people who are ready to hear the call and act and do as Jesus asks them to do. And, not, not, and they reject passivity, and they're doing something today, and it's just, it's just amazing. Um, more, than, more than one time in my life, I've been called to act, and, and I've, hopefully I've remembered to, to hear the call. I've had, I had an opportunity, one that got presented to me many years ago at, in a working environment, um, where a woman, a colleague of mine, had gotten diagnosed uh, with a scary Ill, illness. And in passive conversations over coffee, we talked about the fact that I went to church and I was an elder here at, at Rock Bible, and, and she started seeking me out. And we started talking more about the Bible, and I had an opportunity to pray with her. And something I never thought I would do, I actually laid hands on somebody and we prayed about her illness. Uh, she is doing better now. Uh, in fact, what's funny to me is as I'm writing this, um, preparing for this, and I'm writing this as an example, I hadn't talked to her two or three years. And on the Thursday after I wrote this down, I started it on a Wednesday. On, a, on the Thursday, I got a text from her asking if she wanted to go meet me for coffee. I, it was random. It was bizarre. And I'm meeting her for coffee on Wednesday next week. I just, I, I, I'm going to tell her the story. I said, I started talking about you and some writing up for a, preparing for a, for a lesson at church, and then you texted me, and we, we're meeting for coffee. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting little situation for me, personally. Um, so the second fill-in, acceptance leads to action. So we have uh, the woman at the well, right? I talked a lot about this. She emphasizes this. She had a lot to accept, right? And then she had to accept the fact that um, Christ was accepting her. She had to accept her frailties. She had to accept the, 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 the gift of the living water and an understanding of the living water. And once she accepted this, excuse me, it led her to action. She immediately went down into her town and got and spoke what, what uh, shared with, her, the, with the folks of her town what she had learned in her interaction with Jesus. And then as, as we see here, as we proceed through John 4, she ultimately brings them back out and they sit there and they get a chance to interact with Jesus directly. And they get a chance to be, to be a member of the accepting community are now going to be members with us in the eternal kingdom with, with Jesus himself. So um, I know, when I talked about acceptance last time, uh, I did talk about a personal story for me on acceptance. Acceptance for me, I had... Uh, um, I had been diagnosed 18 years ago uh, with uh, multiple sclerosis, and, and I had to accept that that was something that I had to live with. Um, but I am not a, I try and try as, as best I can to reject passivity. Um, so I w took that acceptance of that, and I said I turned that into as much action as I can. I did that with my wife as well. Um, she was a, a warrior for this, and I really appreciate all that she did for me. But we did, we sought out solutions to, to, to MS. We sought out a, a path forward, um, including varying different treatment plans. I stood here five years ago and shared with the congregation that I was going to go to Russia to get a, a treatment called HSCT, which would potentially stop any progression of, of MS in my body, and it did. So that treatment worked. And I had hands laid on me, and I, I thank you all for it. Uh, I was able to actually to take action and fight 
uh, fight the good fight and now stand here uh, MS-free. I don't have any MS in my body. Obviously, I have the residuals of it, but you know, I need to accept that there are some frailties that that are, they'll all be always be part of my life. Um, but but I, but taking action is always important, and and Jesus calls us to uh, accept and then take action. I mean, I'm sure all of us have had opportunities where we can accept and then take action. Not my example of of of, uh, of, my, of my my disease is is one, uh, and but others there's other opportunities for all of us to to accept and then to take action. And the final fill-in is faith in Christ, faith in, faith in Christ's actions delivers results. Well, starting with verse 46, we see uh, uh, the man act, uh, the official reaching out to Jesus. Um, to, he had he'd heard of him, and, but, but he, he had faith that this man he'd heard of could heal his child. Um, he believed, then he had faith in Christ, and, f- and, and faith in Christ delivered results for him, and ultimately delivered results for his whole household, as they weren't there to, to interact with Jesus, but he brings the message back. He gets a part of the sowing and reaping community. He's a believer now in Christ, and his household is now a believer in Christ. Um, but it, it, you know, action is important. I mean, acceptance is one one component of it. But what do we do with that acceptance? How do we make? How do? How does that acceptance drive us to do something in the world? I'm sure all of us in our lives um, have experienced Christ taking action in us. Um, it could be uh, I, I was supposed to go left, but I went right, and oh my gosh, that car went went right by me. Um, it could be in, in my case. You know, I I I heard us. I heard of a, of a man, I was introduced to a man who had a, who heard of a treatment and I went to a treatment and I took, and I was able to see Christ use this man for me to help my, my, my ailment problem with my multiple sclerosis. Um, Christ is constantly working in all of our lives. I mean, everything. Um, I, like I said, it could, it could be as, as simple as, uh, um, you know, I, I remembered the grocery store to pick up the milk that I didn't put on my list. I mean, anything, any, Christ is there for us all the time. Maybe that the milk isn't a very good example, but anyway, it's, it's one of those things that happens to me. I go to the grocery store and I can completely forget, but I get reminded, so I think Christ is saying, Bryce, remember the milk. Uh, anyway, um, so this, you know, Christ sometimes answers us um, and delivers us, uh, and he takes actions in our lives, and it's those opportunities that excite me it's those opportunities that get me out of bed um, and make me fired up to see what's, what tomorrow will bring and what the next minute will bring and how Christ will work in my life and will be present in my life as I go through every day. Thank you, everyone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, message in, uh, in John, Lord, about um, accepting you and then taking, taking that acceptance and choosing to act with that and impacting um, other lives around us, Lord. Please be with us as we go out in our day today, Lord. Uh, Be with our uh, brothers and sisters in Mexico as they're going to go out and build houses and impact lives in Mexico as they act and follow your lead. Lord, please please be with us every day. You're my prayer.
Okay, so as we go out this week, remember to pray for our friends that are in, in Mexico. Uh, I got a chance to see them off uh, yesterday at 5.30 in the morning, uh, which is really early. Um, so I hope they're doing, have an amazing time and they get an amazing experience down there and they get a lot of it. So may you receive acceptance and choose to act. Enjoy the week.